0: We did this show and I fell in love with it. I thought it was the best thing in the world. I'm like, I like the energy. I like the people. This is something that has organization in it. This is something that has fashion in it. I have to learn the eras. It was just fantastic.
1: And I'm in love with this good life. I can't give it up. Make it to the top and keep climbing. Welcome to the EaseMakers podcast presented by NINE. For people who are passionate about the art of private service. Every estate manager has a story, and this is where you get to hear them. On this show, you'll learn from the best in the business, get tips and inspiration to fuel your career, and connect with people who get it. Subscribe now and join the conversation at easemakers.com. I'm Kristen Twyford, and on the show today, Muhammad Elsmore and I are talking with Jean Weiss about her path from working in TV costumes to private service, and how working in the fast-paced chaos of entertainment prepared her for her role as an estate manager, both in her day-to-day and in a recent crisis situation. Before we get started, don't forget to check out our Modern Household Management Workshop at ninesliving.com slash workshop, and leave in three weeks feeling ready to tackle anything that comes your way. Jean started out as a stockbroker, then found her way to retail at Brooks Brothers, which led her to the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, one of the top fashion schools in the US. There, she got an opportunity to try out costumes and fell in love with it.
0: I um, end up in Los Angeles, and I end up knocking down doors, I don't know a soul, and finally end up at Western Costume. So I worked there, I got into the union, and I ended up making a lot of contacts because in a costume house they have offices for the current shows that are being filmed. So I would go through to each little office and introduce myself and say, hey, if you need some help, I'd love to learn. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, I ended up working, my first, I think union show was called uh, uh, Carnival on HBO. I got to end up working on West Wing and ER and meeting the people that I was seeing on TV. And every day was in awe of, whoa, these are the greats. This is Martin Sheen, I'm working with Martin Sheen. And I just became what I felt an expert at my craft. Shoot forward about 15 years, I come across Parks and Recreation and I become the female costumer for all of the female cast on the show. And I became friends with Amy Poehler at the time. And I got this feeling in my heart that was, you know, I really enjoy the aspect of taking care of these people because I respect their craft, but I also need to make sure that they look good on TV. But I also in a way feel like I need to protect them from, you know, people that shouldn't be coming up to them or, you know, letting them do their work or knowing when they need to have a moment to themselves. You know, I really, it finally came to a point with Amy where I was able to just give her a glance and she would just look at me and we kind of had a silent conversation, you know, where I knew what she needed. And at that point I was feeling I had more to give than just dressing people. (laughs) So I went to Starkey International Institute of Household Management in Denver for two months on my hiatus, on my summer hiatus. Um, And this was after season six of Parks and Recreation. And after I did that, I turned out to be hired from the estate that I work at now. And (laughs) I got a call from Amy and i it was a heartbreaking phone call to tell her that I wasn't coming back to finish the final season, but they were gracious enough to invite me to their wrap party for the whole show when everything was said and done. And so I was able to have some closure and say goodbye to my friends. So I've been with the same estate since um, about 2014, I took a year break to go back to entertainment industry because I missed it so much. But then I was hired back in 2017 and have been here ever since.
1: Jean, this is just an amazing path. And I think it's gonna be so interesting to talk to you about the similarities between entertainment and private service. And we wanna get into that, but we wanna start with a lightning round. And we put together a a little Parks and Rec themed lightning round because I'm a huge fan of Parks and Rec and um, I just think it is a perfect show. I think I could talk to you literally all day about it, especially about the costumes. Like the fact that you somehow hid Amy Poehler's baby bump,
0: I think is amazing. Oh, God, (laughs) that was definitely a time for us. Yes, big purse time, big purse time, loose jackets all the time, yeah. Go behind I the couch, go behind the table, sit behind the desk. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I
1: think the, the costumes on that show are awesome, and it's just a perfect piece of television Thank all you. around. So um, I'm really excited to to have our little <laughs> Parks and Rec theme lightning round and pay tribute. Um, and then talk about how you've you know applied all of that you learned in entertainment to
0: Absolutely. your private service
1: role. So to start out, I want to talk about one of my favorite Parks and Rec themes, which is treat yo self. So, what is something that you do to treat yourself, or a treat yourself item that
0: you love? I get a massage every two weeks.
1: Ooh, that is <laughs> my treat one.
0: yourself. If Donna can do it, and I can do it. Um, so, I it. yeah, I've decided literally this past year that a massage is not to be taken as something you just do once a year for yourself when you get a gift card on your birthday. Yeah, I think of it as something that. Is a treat to myself to just relax and just not think about the world for an hour. That's my treat yourself. Donna and Tom would be proud. Yeah, no, definitely.
2: Gene, which character from Parks and Rec would make the best estate manager? And then,
0: oh. why don't you tell me, which one would definitely
2: not be cut out of a private service as well?
0: Let's see. Let's see. The best person that. Well, you know who it, it would be. Obviously, Leslie Knope. Um, because she was the binder queen. And I'll tell you what, I probably have about 15 binders behind my desk right now.
2: <laughs> I guess the exact opposite. Who would you never want to be an estate manager in your household?
0: Tom. No, no. Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> I went back and
1: forth between those two, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it would have to be for Jerry. Jerry Gergich. I think that he would, he would think he would be doing the right thing, and then he'd be doing the exact opposite. And you just... Aww would have to just go, no, Jerry. Jerry, Larry, Gary. Danny I don't, Jerry. I mean, whatever his name
1: is. <laughs> <laughs> what is um, one lesson that you think that private service professionals can learn from Leslie Nope?
0: Ooh, wow. You know, the one thing that Leslie did have is she was always a team player. She She needed her team around her at all times. She was she always was asking for somebody's help and trying to rein people in to do her little discussion panels or her projects or her community service um, for the city or building a playground at the, you know, the lot that we, the mud lot that we had to go to, or she was creating a charity event. I think that it was teamwork. That was definitely something that, that, that I took away from that.
1: Well, we want to get into the heart of our conversation and we want to talk a little bit about how your career in entertainment really prepared you for private service. So what are some things that you learned during your wardrobe career that you think have really helped you as a private service professional?
0: There are quite a few things that have helped me along the way, and I think it was a great bridge into private service. I think I kind of, I'm glad I did it the way I did. You know, I kind of got some of the hard lessons out of the way. Um, One was, in order to make a production, everybody has a job to do. In order to keep a house running properly, Everybody has a little job that they have to do to contribute to making a good, you know, the house comfortable and to the principal's expectations. Same thing on a television show. You're making it so it's good enough for somebody to watch on TV and for it to have high ratings. That's one thing that I took away from it. We all have a little tiny job, and those little tiny jobs, as you know if people don't feel like they're part of a team, they're wrong. Because if we didn't have a housekeeper... You know, what would we do if we didn't have a houseman who would take care of the maintenance? Um, it's just like, if I didn't have a cameraman, how would I get it on TV? If I didn't have a costume uh, costumer on set, how would they be properly dressed? Everybody has something to bring to the table. And that's something to uh, respect and um, to nurture as well, um, to always know that you are not by yourself. And I think as an estate manager, you have to know that those people are vital to your day and that you need to appreciate that and respect that. Um, the other thing that I also learned was not anonymity. What's the word that I'm looking for? Like a-
1: Like a respect for privacy?
0: Respect for, yeah, privacy. Actors are America's royalty. You see them you know, in magazines, on television, hear them on the radio you know, uh, see them walking down the street. And the first thing you want to do, because you have seen them on TV, is want to get a picture with them, you want to get their autograph or whatnot. On a set, it's different, you're actually in the workplace, and you treat those actors as your workers. And, you know, at, at least for me, I didn't take I think I have one picture with Amy Poehler, out of the whole time I worked with her. I just wanted to respect her as a person and her family and who she was. And it goes the same for my principal. They are in a a league of their own, you know, a majority of our principals are, and they've hired us to protect them and to protect their privacy. I would actually get phone calls from um, magazines, you know, like people or us, you know, asking me for gossip on the actors I was working with. And I would just hang up the phone and that's just not professional. It's not why I'm doing this job. And, you know, the same thing goes for the people that I work for. I'm here to help make their lives easier. Um, And so they don't have to think about it, and they can go off and do the things that they either need to do or want to do and deserve to do. Protecting their privacy was a big one. The other one is there's always something to learn. Things in an estate are always evolving. Well, technology is always evolving. The way that people do things are always evolving um, in the entertainment industry. One thing we had changed, you know, obviously recently was the Me Too movement. That changed um, the work environments drastically. So did COVID. COVID changed the way of how the people went about their workday drastically. Um, There are so many things coming out now for private service professionals that, you know, we need to learn about on a daily basis. We're still learning. Um, I mean, EaseMakers has been... Just a phenomenal addition to the private service industry. I can't even say enough about it. I go on there every day and I'm so excited to see all the tips and what people are saying about their job. It makes you feel like you're part of something. It's just awesome.
1: Thank you so much, Jean. We're so glad to have you in the UseMakers community. And thank you for that nice feedback. We, we love seeing that conversation in there too. And it's amazing to see people teaching each other very organically. It's been really cool.
0: Yeah, that's what I really like about it. And everybody is just so, again, nurturing and kind to each other. And in this business that we do where I was told is going to be a lonely job, You know, it's true. You're by yourself a lot because you just have so much to do. But to know that there's other people out there doing the same thing, it just really makes you feel like, okay, I'm not the only one that's, you know, having a tough day trying to get the flowers ordered for my boss's birthday. You know, it just makes you feel like you're part of something bigger.
2: Gene, can you think of a time in your entertainment career when you had to put out a fire that was good practice for when you moved into private service? Maybe. Sounds like you have a whole
0: list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was on Parks and Recreation. And one of our uh, directors, he was also the creator of the show, Mike Schur. And it was a time when we had, I think it was... We had a guest, another guest star from SNL with us. So we were all a little excited and just having, you know, and just trying to get things perfect for, for Mike because he's the creator and we wanted to do everything right for him. And we went on location and to a park. And everything was fine. We filmed at a park. When you go on location from a studio, you have to take everything you possibly own with you. And it has to be transported and done fast. So basically, my mobile office was a clothing rack with a wooden bottom. And we have all of our clothes on there, our kit on there, you know, which is like our lint rollers, our tape, our you know, sewing kits, whatever we need in case something happens. Um, Sometimes we have double wardrobe with us in case somebody spills something on them. Um, So I get to set and I have Amy do her, you know, everybody, we get our shooting done and my set partner and I, we are gathering up our clothes and putting it on the rack and we put it on the back of a stake bed truck and a stake bed truck is basically an open is is a is like an F150 with an open back and sides on the top but there's no lid so we put this rack on there but we may may have forgotten to cover the rack and they loaded it down they they bungee corded it down or roped it down and we went down the freeway back to the studio to start shooting and we were still in the same wardrobe as we were at the park and I get there ahead of uh, I get there ahead of the transportation department to look at my rack to get the jacket off for Amy because I took it off of her so I could keep it clean and, and nicely you um, not wrinkled for her to be back on set. And I noticed that the jacket is not there. And I'm sitting here going, she just had it. I don't understand how I put it on the truck. I know I did. I saw it I saw it being roped down. Turns out it flew off the rack and landed in the freeway somewhere and we don't know where it went so I have Amy in the outfit without her jacket and we're just waiting for the crew to come back to set to set up again to do another scene in the same costume and I had to go up and spill the beans to Mike and tell him that I may have lost the jacket on the freeway and he goes wait what And I said, "Uh, I am really sorry to tell you this, but I don't have the jacket. It's on the five freeway somewhere. And he said, oh, my gosh. And I said, I'm really sorry. I thought I literally thought these are the things that people get fired for. I literally thought I was going to get fired, and I was super nervous, and I, my stomach had turned, and I was trying to think of everything under the sun that I could do. Well, I immediately, as he goes, well, what can we do to fix this? And I said, I have an idea. Well, good thing is, is that she was in a suit. That was my saving grace. The suit looked different color outside than it did on camera inside. I found in the, in the wardrobe truck a very similar colored suit. Very similar. I think it was like a light blue and like a light gray. And I said, Amy, I'm really sorry. She was a little frustrated with me too. And I totally get it. I would have been the same. I said, I lost your jacket on the freeway. And of course I had the executive producers coming to me going, why didn't you cover the rack? And I'm like, good question. I don't know. I had nothing to say. It was just it was a human error. We got her in the other suit. We checked the colors on camera, the lighting, everything. And I just sat there at Video Village, which is where all the cameras are. And Video Village is where the director, the writers, the producers, the script supervisors and actors all sit because they all collaborate together to make a show. And I'm sitting there in the back behind everybody, gritting my teeth, um, hoping to God that it matched. And so I was trying to look at the pictures from the park and trying to match them to the pictures on tv and it was really close so i think i and nobody ever said anything afterwards but i never did wow. that again ever <laughs> did i i never did that again it was yeah it was bad that was probably the worst thing that i did
1: what do you feel like you took away from that moment that has helped you oh
0: in your details details Details, details, details. It's all in the details. I noticed that my eye for detail went up a thousand percent by being in the costume department because that's our job. Our job, we're the people that if they're without an earring or their tie is askew or they're missing or their buttons undone, that's our job. There's actually websites where people look for mistakes for on um, from props, makeup, hair, and costumes they're they're on facebook and instagram all the time but the one thing and especially you know here where i work we are very big on attention to detail and i i don't think that's just my my estate i'm sure that's everywhere because that's something that we want to do to please our principals is to be ahead of the game and notice the details
2: so speaking of attention to detail Let's uh, let's actually jump to a different crisis story that you had mentioned earlier. Oh, so today your attention to detail and your organizational skills come in really handy, right, in your role as an estate manager. Yes, and recently they helped you through a very tough situation that you shared with us that you did not prepare for. So, right. can you take us back to that frantic phone call yes, and tell us what happened? Yes,
0: that frantic <laughs> phone call. This year has been been different in that at our estate we've had uh, several major life events happen, um, and we've had. It, um we've had to prepare for different parties, which is fine. Um, we have another house on this on the property um, that family members live in. and every once in a while I'll help them out, you know, with things, if there's a strong need and they can't get a hold of someone, I'm kind of like their their person to go to. I'm on my way to dinner. Um, I think this was in February. I'm on my way to dinner, and I get a phone call from this person down um, at the other house, and I'm like, "That's odd." It's I, you know, I, I talked. To, I had talked to them earlier, and I said, "That's really odd. I don't understand why they're calling me." And it was a very frantic, panicked phone call telling me that. All of their toilets had overflowed, that they accidentally, a a guest had accidentally left the toilet running all night long, which um, on this property were on septic. And so it filled the septic tank by the running of the water all night long and filled the septic tank up. And now I had what they call is black water coming through the toilets and onto the floor. Um I'm not going to explain what black water is but you all can imagine and I could hear sloshing of feet in the background of, of the floors and all I could think of is get on high ground. I just get on a chair. You don't want to be stepping in stuff like this and it turned out she was she was yelling into the phone I don't know what to do. I it's coming there's water coming from everywhere and I can't stop it. <laughs> so I said, "Okay." I said, "Get outside." I said, "I'm calling the plumber, and I will call you right back." So I got a hold of a plumber. Thank goodness he picked up, and they went right over um, to the house and they turned off the water. And um, it was just three thousand square feet of mess. It was. They called. I I could be wrong, but they called it. I think a class three disaster or something crazy like that when when the restoration company came in because it literally took out pretty much the whole we had to take out all of the furniture out of the house the water was throughout the entire home and went up about two feet on the walls including inside the closets and so my first thought was their safety so I told them to get outside I told them to really try and you know, get clean as best they can. Don't step in it. And then she said, I have dental surgery or something the next morning at like eight. And I said, Oh, gosh, okay, so now I need to get her a place to stay. So I had my contact that I always go to, to get her a place to stay turns out she stayed there for about two and a half months. I had never done anything like this before. I had never worked on a restoration project. I'd never done a construction project. I've never done a disaster project so and this poor woman um, who's you know she has older children um, she was by herself and she didn't know what to do and she was frantic and it it was it was actually heartbreaking for me because I feel like I wasn't there to actually just help her and move her along and she was her blood pressure was going up. <laughs> so what we did is we got our place to stay i got the plumber out there and then i immediately called the restoration company and they were out there that night they had to suck up water we had fans blowing and we had to tear everything out for black mold and then we had to go into the restoration process which is buying the new floors buying the new carpet you know working on paint colors working out tile colors um, literally an entire bathroom had to be gutted. And um, we had to put in a brand new bathroom. This is something I had never even done before. But I just kind of went, okay, we have to get this woman's house back together again. How would you do it? So I kind of mapped it out. It took me a, a while. I mapped out, this is what needs to be done. And I stayed in constant contact with the home with with the homeowner and with the restoration company and with my vendors to try and schedule out the process of how things should go in and when. Also too, there's a supply crisis going on at the time. So we had to find materials that were readily available or else she would be out of her house a lot longer than two and a half months. We were told it was going to be six months. And I said, No, I can't have that. There's no way. I need her to be back in her home. I can't have her living in an apart- in a hotel for two for you know that long. That's just that's just way too long for her. I think we got it down to two and a half, maybe three months, and we were able to get the house completely back in order. And now I walk into that house and I go, Wow, really? I, I- put this together. And she is so happy. She feels like she's in a brand new home. You know, she has a brand new bathroom. She has her family and friends come over. Um, But we also put in place water alarms behind in the sinks, the toilets, the, you know, anywhere that water could come out of. And I taught her, this is what we need to look for if you're Toilet starts overflowing again, but it took a took a long time to do, and it was a frantic phone call, and I just kind of had to think fast.
1: Well, Jean, it is amazing that you were able to take on all of that and snap into action so quickly when you realized that you needed to call someone. You know, you had to find a restoration vendor. You needed to reach out to people right there in that moment. How did you know who to call? Were these people that you had worked with before, or how did you find the right people so quickly?
0: They were actually people that I'd worked with before that I've created relationships with over since, you know, over the past few years. Um, we actually have a plumber that I've I've known now for five years and his father. They both work together and they've worked at the house before. So they knew where to look and what to do. Um, the restoration company I actually had used here at the house um, in my office when we had a flood in our in my office, kind of the same It was something to do with the water heater. I had to dig a little bit, but it turned out I had the Outlook app on my telephone, which contained my phone numbers, and that was immediately where I went to. Uh, The hotel, I called the hotel that I use for my vendors that I've actually, when I first started this job and didn't have an apartment, I lived there for three weeks. It's kind of like a, it's called the Homewood Suites, the Hilton Homewood Suites. Um, They're kind of like small studios with kitchens in them. But my first reaction was take care of the person and get them, you know, feeling settled again and feeling safe. Um, And that's kind of what I do for my principals, too, is, you know, take care of my principal um, and then everything else, you know, can follow. But I want to always make sure that they feel like they are protected or, or safe Mm -hmm. or feeling comfortable, then take care of the problem. People first, then problem. My, my grandfather always told me you can always replace things, but you can't replace people. So that's kind of my, my instinct. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where my, you know, we've talked about service heart comes from is, you know, I do have like a, that's who I am. (laughs) Yeah,
1: That's amazing. It's been always been a part of you. That's very cool.
0: Yes, I think so. I, and I don't know i'm an I'm also the oldest in my family, um and maybe it's because that's how I grew up. I took care of my brother and my sister, so mm-hmm. I don't know if that's part of it, but it's just like a part of me that's you know my first instinct to go to
1: and you mentioned that you were able to make this happen within just a couple months, even with the supply crisis happening. So what do you think yes. were the main keys to your success here? How do you think you made it happen in that short timeline?
0: I just had to ask a lot of questions. I had to tell them what I needed, what what the homeowner needed, and what was it that we had to choose from? What were our options? And I told them that my options are not something that I have that I can wait for. Um, I remember looking for bathroom vanities because I had to replace two. They had to rip out. They were just all they were gone. They were damaged. They were destroyed. Um, and I just remember looking at the shipping times and even the, the bathroom vanities that I ordered took a lot longer to get to me than originally thought. I, I think I just it was just really luck of the draw, but just keeping your um, eye on the shipping dates, keeping in touch with the restoration company and the vendors who are putting in the, the floors, the toilets, everything else, the movers, that kind of thing.
2: Are there any other tips you'd like to share with the state managers who find themselves in a very similar situation?
0: One is to try and keep cool because people are looking to you to fix a problem that they don't know how to fix. And um, that was the first thing that, that just came to my mind was, you know, stay cool. Try and keep a clear mind. Don't get confused. Don't get frustrated. It's, it's going to happen naturally. You're going to kind of just know what to do by the job that you do daily as an estate manager. You know um, that that take care of the of your principal. You're gonna, you're just taking care of somebody else.
1: That's such a good point too, because you said, Gene. You know, you didn't know where to start. You had never done this before, but you're the person that they trust to no. figure out how to solve these problems.
0: And I even got a few times, which was a, a huge compliment from my principal, Jean, I just really want to thank you for spearheading this, for taking this on, because it 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 was a lot. She knew it. She knew it was a big project, and I had to go to my principal with everything and tell, keep her informed of my progress. And um, she was the one who was, you know, signing all the contracts and 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 whatnot. So that's the one thing again that I've taken away from the entertainment industry is, you know, an actor sometimes wants things now, and sometimes so do your principals, <laughs> but. You know, if you remain cool and collected, it just changes the environment and and you're able to think a little bit more clearly, I think. Just trust yourself and know that you can do the job. You know, that's a hard lesson to learn, but I think that comes with time as well.
1: Absolutely. Anything else that we haven't covered? Anything you want to add?
0: You know, I was, there is one thing that I wanted to tell people um, there are two rules that I like to stick to in my day. And I just think it's important. It's something that we all need to hear. I was watching Downton Abbey, which I don't know if you guys have watched, but Love. I really yes. enjoyed watching it. I'm so yes. glad we're bringing
1: this full circle back to the entertainment yes. world.
0: Right. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> it's like, ingrained. you and
1: I are very much on the same page about this. I know, and right? I'm fully in on this.
0: <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I, I watched it. I watched it again with my, I've watched it twice. Actually, I watched it again with my husband and there was one scene where one of the butlers got in trouble and Mr. Carson, who is the head butler, he said to everyone in a meeting to progress in your chosen career, you must retain a sense of pride and dignity, which reflects the pride and dignity of the family that he serves. And I actually keep that quote um, at my desk because I try and integrate that into my day. Um, every time I come into work, um, I try to, you know, dress the part, act the part, um, reflect the family that I work for, reflect myself in the family that I work for, who I dearly respect, and I am honored to be here. I say that and grateful to be here. Um, A lot of my friends didn't get to work during COVID because the industry got shut down, the entertainment industry. I was able to work every day and I think I just dodged a bullet. (laughs) The other thing is my principal and I, we have, we talk about this every once in a while is to always extend the golden rule in your day. And that's to treat others as you would wish to be treated. That to me just resonates in how I talk with everyone, vendors, you know, my coworkers, people who've never been here before and don't know, you know, their way around the estate. It could be frustrating to you because you've been here all the time, but to a person who's never been here before, treat them with kindness because it will come back to you.
1: Thank you to Jean Weiss for joining us on the show today. To connect with other private service professionals on a regular basis, join the conversation in the EaseMakers community. And be sure to check out our new Modern Household Management Workshop, ninesliving.com slash workshop. The EaseMakers podcast and the EaseMakers community are presented by Nines, the first dynamic household management platform built for discerning households and the private service professionals who support them. Visit ninesliving.com to see how Nines can help you bring your house manual to life so you can live with ease.
2: I'm Mohammed Elzamore
1: And I'm Kristen Twyford.
2: And we'll see you next time on the EaseMakers podcast.